Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 6th of September, and this is Govindraj Ethiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top reports and themes for the day. SEBI says one hour trade settlements could come by March next year. Sports utility vehicles or SUVs push car sales to a record high in the month of August. Delayed monsoons are now increasing anxiety levels. And nominate heirs to your fortune and your bank deposits, says the finance minister. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. One hour trades. Well, day traders will love this, and possibly they will soon be called hour traders or some such new term. Market regulator Securities and Exchange Board of India will introduce one hour trade settlements by the end of this fiscal, which means around March 2024, in the run up to making such processes instantaneous, a top official told Reuters on Tuesday. The official also said that faster settlements are optional and investors could opt out of it. What it should mean is that if I sell my shares at, say, 1 p.m., by 2 p.m., I should be able to use the proceeds of the sale to buy other shares. The money itself should hit the account the next day is my understanding as of now, or the money could be available to me in an hour's time. And then, of course, at some point, it'll be all instantaneous, just like sending a UPI transaction. All this is, of course, fast, and it would mean some credit to the regulatory authority, SEBI being in this case, for putting the foot on the accelerator. From one day to one hour to instantaneous is the roadmap, the official told the wire service, adding that one-hour settlements are much quicker to implement than instantaneous. The official said that technology for one-hour trade settlements already exists, and the regulator is confident about it, while the instantaneous settlements need a little more technology development. At present, SEBI is thinking of rolling out that one-hour trade settlement for all investors by March next year, as we mentioned a little while ago, and is looking at a time frame of six to eight months more for instantaneous settlements, which means by the end of 2024. Speaking of settlements and markets and back to the present, the BSE Sensex ended 152 points up at 65,780. More importantly, it has now gained 949 points or close to 1,000 points in the last three straight sessions. The NEC Nifty, meanwhile, closed with a gain of 46 points at 19,575. You may recall Vinod Karki, the equity strategist at ICICI Securities, telling the core report in August that the Nifty 50 index was consolidating just below the 20,000 mark after rallying 14% from March 23 lows, which is, of course, a 7% year-to-date return. Now, this, according to ICICI Securities, was rational behavior and was not technically a bull market. On the other hand, they did say that a bull market frenzy was clearly visible in the mid, small and micro-cap indices, which had risen at that point 25%, 29% and 42% respectively from the lows of March 2023. Technically, a more than 20% upside could indicate a bull market. Now, let's come back to the present. The Nifty Mid-Cap 100 Index has shot past the 40,000 mark for the first time and the Nifty Small Cap Index has hit an all-time high on September 5th. These indices have advanced 27% and 30% so far this year, according to research from Money Control. The reason, of course, is that real money is always made in small caps and today's small caps are tomorrow's multi-baggers. And history does bear this out. A Goldman Sachs report we profiled in the core report on June 6th said India had produced the largest proportion of multi-bagger stocks amongst 10 major emerging and developing markets. 
Goldman had identified some 269 stocks which fit this 10-bagger definition over 20 years after studying some 6,700 stocks. More importantly and relevant to today's theme is that at least half of these multi-baggers had a market capitalization of $50 million or less than 400 crore rupees going by current rates. So yes, this is where the temptation lies and also the danger. Invest carefully is all I can say. A finance minister's public service message. We often come across cases of family members or friends who are not able to access bank accounts of their loved ones. The reasons may vary, but usually these loved ones are a male earning member of the household who passes on, oftentimes suddenly, without leaving much by way of clues for the family members. And when I say clues, I mean clues to the financial assets. Now, this is as much a lesson in financial planning within and for the whole family as it is for the message that's coming up. Union Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman on Tuesday asked banks and financial institutions to ensure that their customers nominate heirs which can help reduce the quantum of unclaimed money. I want a banking system, the financial system that includes mutual fund stock markets, everybody to keep in mind that when someone deals with his customer's money, organizations have to think about the future and ensure that customers nominate their heir and give their name and address, Sita Raman said at a global fintech fest in Mumbai yesterday. According to a report, the banking system alone has about 35,000 crore rupees of unclaimed deposits, while the overall quantum of unclaimed money is said to be more than 100,000 crore rupees. The quantum of funds, of course, does not reflect the individual pain that families have to go through when there is a sudden death of the nature I referred to just a little while ago. The warning thus is timely and worth repeating. Sports utility vehicles power passenger vehicle sales to record highs. Every second car sold in India is actually not a car. It's either a utility vehicle, sports utility vehicle or a multi-purpose vehicle. All ways of describing four-wheelers that generally look more sturdy, boxy, higher above the ground and seemingly safer to drive. The Indian craze for SUVs, to use that as a general describer, is so strong that it is powering overall car sales in the country. So much so that August was a record month for overall passenger vehicle sales. And this is as much driven by demand as by supply. Manufacturers are rolling out newer and more improved versions and variations of their SUVs, giving customers a wider choice even within a single model. Maruti, Mahindra & Mahindra and Hyundai are amongst the many companies that have a range of SUVs to suit all budgets and tastes. Even Honda, somewhat dormant for some time, is bouncing back into the market with an SUV called Elevate. The Hyundai Creta is the biggest selling SUV in India, by the way. So now, total car sales for August, including of course SUVs, stood at about 315,000 units, up 6% from 295,000 in August 2022. Month on month or over July, the rise was almost 11%. Now, all these numbers are from the Federation of Automobile Dealers Association of India, which represents 15,000 auto dealers with 26,500 dealerships across the country. To understand the SUV craze a little more and why consumers were rushing to them, I reached out to Manish Raj Singhania, president of the FADA and based in Raipur, Chhattisgarh. I began by asking him why and how SUVs are doing in the context of overall passenger car sales. Yeah, definitely. SUVs have kind of, you know, made a rocking return after post-COVID. And market share of SUVs have been literally growing everywhere. And now we are almost crossing 50% landmark. 
And yes, definitely the charge with Karishma of SUV has prompted the overall number growth in passenger car segment. In fact, August registration figures are the ever highest for a single one. So that's a new record. And you can see in past one and a half years, a lot of records being created and subsequently broken also. So SUVs are definitely driving sales. The attraction of Indian consumers towards SUV has improved dramatically. I think after COVID times or during lockdown, people have realized the importance of owning a larger vehicle, personal vehicle on top of that. And a larger vehicle, they have come out and started spending money. People have realized the importance of life, I should say. And you can see it happening in travel. And all the people with money have literally gone out and are spending money like crazy. And the trend still continues. Also, SUV also delivered family vehicle. A safe quality vehicle and number of launches that happened in the SUV space has also excited this segment. Just think how many launches have come in a sedan or an entry-level passenger car. There is hardly any. Hence that obviously OEMs are not at fault. Whatever is in demand in, from the consumer, they will launch those products only. SUVs also became an extension of drawing rooms for consumers. While sitting during lockdowns at home, maybe, you know, accessible quality life, space, everything was realized by the consumer. A lot of gadgets came in handy and they could, you know, live through it. And that's what the consumer is seeking in their vehicles now. And SUV delivers a lot of things in the vehicle. Also on safety fronts, SUVs are far more better off in terms of safety. And increasing road infrastructure across the country has made road travel very comfortable. On top of that, COVID also compelled you to do a single vehicle road travel rather than going on a public transport. So our ideas of transportation have changed. And for a better space, better quality, better safety, I think SUV has caught the trend. Most manufacturers, as you pointed out, are launching more SUVs and SUV variants within their offering. So what's there on the supply side, as in what are manufacturers doing and what are the kind of brands or the offerings within those brands that consumers are going for the most at this point? So I think the largest space that is really moving is the mid-size SUV. That's anywhere between 8 to 15 lakhs, say. That bracket is really kicking in. And premium customers are obviously going for higher featured, higher variant of that particular model. And focus of SUV is now, if you look at every OEM, whether it's Marty or Hyundai or Mahindra's or Tata's, they are rolling the roast. And the number of products that they have lined up as an offering to the consumer, that's huge in every category. Not only that, continuous ramp up, new limited editions, new facelift editions, you know, that kind of things are regularly happening in this segment. And that is, you know, exciting the customer. He or she wants to own that new product, new range, just like an iPhone. If you want to buy an iPhone, as soon as you get a new iPhone, you want to exchange it. And that's the kind of craziness that we can see in car segment also. And plus, the ownership tenure, it used to be five, six years for an average car. Now it has come down for premium cars two and a half years. So we see a trend that customers are more inclined towards frequently changing their cars to an upgraded, safer, this thought process of being more environmentally conscious, that has also cropped in in the high-end customer mind space, where they want a vehicle which is complying to current standards of environmental norms. So, SUV space is on fire. A lot of, you know, high-tech features and latest features like EDAS and such kind of things that has been incorporated in these vehicles. It's actually fun to drive a SUV. It's like become a personal toy. 
that kind of features those customers probably india would have never thought that these features are such high priced or in only in expensive vehicles that they are ever going to experience those kind of features but our manufacturers have been terrific they have brought these features at a very reasonable price point to the indian market and that has really got the oem going you've also released overall data for august at the dealer level most categories have grown except i think for tractors so let's look at the passenger vehicle and two wheelers the consumer facing categories what are the key takeaways there so as i already said for pv it is an ever highest retail month and that's a new record for passenger vehicle and i think overall the monsoon has been a slight dampener for the auto industry august did not go well it is the lowest rainfall that we are seeing the last seven eight years but overall with the increasing supply and the bookings being addressed to the craze for owning a vehicle still continues and we saw onam happening in august and last year if you recollect onam went flat there was hardly any current in the market but this year onam has responded well out of four southern states two have shown exceptionally high growth so that really shows the onam is doing well and that's a good start for this industry for two wheeler dealers have been struggling we were like kind of worried that majorly 70% of the motorcycle retail come from the rural market and we are seeing a stress in rural market so two wheeler dealers were worried and we are still behind by almost 11% compared to pre covid level in two wheeler market so that's a good sign the growth of almost 6.3% on our yoy basis that's a good sign for the two wheeler industry in fact on a mom basis also two wheeler industry has grown by almost 2.5% so somewhere or the other rural buying has increased in the month of august and probably my expectation is with the advent of festive season this trend will continue and we will definitely see good buying happening across two wheeler and passenger vehicle segment and the paid up stock is at a very comfortable level i should say that's good part on the part of the dealers but festivities kind of stresses dealers and suddenly you get a spurt of customers showing inclination to buy vehicles so dealers should be having adequate stocks to address those kind of walk in customers i should say overall we are expecting a good growth in pv industry as well as two wheeler in the coming festive season right vanish thank you so much for joining me yeah thank you thank you sticking to car sales numbers fada also released its august 2023 vehicle retail data which of course highlights the numbers we spoke of it also highlights the fact that inventory levels with dealers have crossed the 60 day threshold an all time high and that is just before the onset of the 42 day festive season fada's member survey by the way says that the average inventory for passenger vehicles now is ranging from 58 to 63 days as compared to a normal inventory range of 21 days making it three times the holding level Singhania told me that this is because dealers are stocking up for the festive season and onam sales as we spoke of yesterday as well have been strong giving dealers and thus manufacturers this festive season the feeling that everything is going to go well this of course could apply to many more things beyond four wheelers or two wheelers and would thus reflect in the way dealers are stocking up whether it comes to cars or white goods By the way three wheeler sales are also rising across the country hitting another all time high at about 99900 units in August up 66% year on year and 6% month on month The truant monsoon saga continues 
The rains recovered in July, but the southwest monsoon saw its driest spell in 123 years in August, taking the cumulative deficiency for the season to 11% by September 4th. Rating agency Crisel has what it calls the drip study or deficient rainfall impact parameter which highlights that states like Jharkhand, Karnataka, Maharashtra, Bihar and West Bengal are vulnerable. It also highlights pulses, coarse cereals, rice and oil seeds as vulnerable crops due to deficient rains and low irrigation. Crisel's drip, the name by the way was coined by the late Subir Gokarn who worked then in Crisel and later was Reserve Bank Deputy Governor, looks at both the impact of rains as well as irrigation cover. Crisel has been tracking data through drip for the last two decades now and has pointed out that six crops tur jowar bajra and soya bean apart from maize and rice are vulnerable the crisel drip scores of these crops are now worse than their past 5 year average just to put everything in context inflation levels for rice are at 13% tur dal at 34% and jowar at 16.8% tur dal if you may recall we spoke about just yesterday and the fact that imports of it are rising and it's coming from countries where it's being grown notably in africa so to understand where we are on the monsoon run this season and the impact that we're looking at at a macro level i reached out to crisel chief economist dk joshi well i think we are at a critical juncture because as you mentioned august rains have been very very suboptimal and now you require normal rains in september to make up for that otherwise i think the yields of the crops which have already been sown they tend to go down so this risk is not uniform for the nation i think the areas which are irrigated they can withstand like punjab haryana but areas which have low irrigation for instance maharashtra or jharkhand for that matter i think where irrigation cover is very low i think they are more susceptible to what happens in september what's the level of irrigation right now across the country about 52% area is irrigated and is that a figure that's been increasing over the years yeah it's been increasing okay so the other point that you are also mentioning is about the major crops and you've talked about high inflation levels for crops like tur jowar bajra maize and rice that's both cereals as well as pulses so tell us about how you're analyzing this and what could be the outcome well i think first of all we use a proprietary index called drip deficient rainfall impact parameter which i think we're using for two decades so what it does is it combines the irrigation buffer which determines vulnerability and the shock which comes from the rainfall deficiency so it's better indicator than just the rains and we do it for crops across states and also cumulatively at the state level so i think what that is indicating is that the crops which you rightly pointed out the pulses like tur etc i think they are highly susceptible because one the pulses sowing itself is very very weak right now inflation is high last year's crop was not that good so pulses are under pressure and the cereals i think they have been under pressure as far as inflation is concerned even before the monsoon season started so i think that is the worry that if the rains are not sufficient then i think the pressure on prices will remain and government will have to work even harder to increase supply to import etc to put a lid on food inflation or at least try to suppress it dk we've seen this kind of a situation before i'm assuming and what has been the outcome then in a somewhat similar situation of low rainfall high food prices high inflation in food again well i think it's really interesting is i think i've been looking at el nino over the last couple of decades I think there have been years when the rainfall has been deficient yet inflation hasn't gone up I mean it depends on where your stock levels and many other things so the relationship between inflation 
and the quantum of rainfall is not given. I mean, so you can, even if the rain is a little suboptimal, you can still get lower food inflation. So that's the point I'm trying to make. And everyone weather is unique. And I think sometimes it's the freak weather. I mean, sudden heat wave or excess rains that damage the crop and then pushes up the prices. But this year, I think, is unique in the last five years because it has a phenomena which is El Nino, not only playing out in India, but also in other Asian economies from where we import palm oil, which is witnessing low inflation right now. So I think this El Nino phenomena is the one that has created risk for September, although the IMD is saying that the Indian Ocean Dipole, which kind of offsets the El Nino, I think it's also come into play. So it will be interesting to watch what happens in the rest of September. Right. DK, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Elsewhere, the Reserve Bank Governor Shakti Ganta Das tried to assure everyone that the central bank was alert to inflation levels and keeping them down. He said the Reserve Bank had been mandated by the government to keep inflation at 4% with a margin of 2% on either side. The frequent incidences of recurring food price shocks pose a risk to the anchoring of inflation expectations, which has been underway since February 22. We will remain watchful of this aspect also, Mr. Das said. He also said that the role of continued and timely supply-side interventions, as is being undertaken by the government, assumes criticality in limiting the severity and duration of such food price shocks. Translated, this would mean the Reserve Bank is again on alert and is watching out for you. That's it from me for today. Have a great day ahead. Do a hop across to our site www.thecore.in and subscribe to our newsletter. Also read our detailed reports and interviews and find links to our podcast. Bye for now. This was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www.thecore.in or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at thecore.in. Thank you for listening. Thank you.